0: My name is Howard Bromwell, and this is my wife, Kelly, and we've been members of Christ Church for seven years. We pray that you and your loved ones are practicing safe and healthy actions during this pandemic. Good morning. This is a wonderful time in which to praise
1: the Lord. We are all awoke this morning. We're alive, and I don't know about you, but for the past four months, I had something I've never had before, time with my loved ones. It has been really great spending all that quality time with my husband, my parents, our children and for those who have grandchildren, I'm pretty sure you missed them terribly enjoyed time with them. So remember this. We are all in this together and God's gonna take care of us. But mostly <laughs> I don't know about you, but I miss my in-person services. What about you, Beth? I miss the donuts. <laughs> God bless, have
2: a wonderful Sunday. But it won't prosper When the darkness falls It won't prevail Cause the God I serve Knows only how to triumph My God will never fail No, my God will never fail Power in the mighty name of Jesus Every war he wages he will win I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Yes, I know how this story ends I'm gonna sing a victory, I'm gonna sing a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna sing a victory, I'm gonna sing a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Whoa. With the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, you turn it for good, you take with the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, you turn it for good. That's what you do, Lord. You take with the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for Turn it for good. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle it belongs to You, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle. Pray together, Heavenly Father. It's good to remind our hearts that that's the truth for us today. And God, we invite you, Father, Son, and Spirit, to come, draw us close. God, over the next few minutes, as we spend time with each other and with you, God, would you minister to our hearts? Would you care for us? Would you love us as only you can, God? And would you stir our hearts to worship with quiet joy or loud confidence wherever we're at this morning? Just lead us one step forward. We're grateful for you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hello, friends. Over the next few moments, we're going to slow down a bit and we're gonna slow down and we're about to do something. And I'm gonna encourage you right from the beginning here to do again this week, maybe even more than once. Just go to our website, find this service, find this section of the service and relive this worship experience we are about to enter into. If you are doing laundry right now or if you're like my family on Sunday morning, we do a lot of tidying around the house, If you're in the middle of getting that bowl of cereal, can I just ask you to pause, to slow down, to find your favorite seat at home, to have a seat on the couch? You deserve it. And just rest. If the kids are around you, if they're running around and doing the normal Sunday morning routine, why don't you call them over to you and invite them next to you on that couch, maybe even on your lap? and let them know we're about to sing and listen to a pretty song about Jesus together. Over the course of this worship experience, this next song, I'm gonna offer two questions for you to discern and answer to with the Spirit's guidance. In the midst of that song, you will have space to hear, to listen, to reflect, to receive what Jesus wants to give. So maybe slow down again. And if you have your shoes on or your socks on or if you're in your slippers, maybe take them off. As a reminder, we're about to enter into a sacred moment and feel your bare feet on the ground in front of you, reminding you to be fully present to all that Jesus has for you in these next several moments. As we seek, as we ask, as we invite the Lord Jesus to restore our souls Slow down Be
2: still Know that He is God And know that I am not Slow down Find a rest All I need to hear Is the beating in your chest
1: Part of this message? Does your soul, does your life need to receive? Receive it. Open your hands as a sign of acceptance, of knowing that Jesus is there with you, willing to give. Receive it.
2: rod and staff, my comfort carrying me home. Restore my soul. Restore my soul. Joy, even in my chaos, you're speaking through the noise. Slow down and find peace. All I've ever wanted is right here at your feet. It's where I was made to be. joy, even in my chaos, speaking through the noise, slow down, find peace, all I've ever wanted is right here at your feet.
1: Friends, what part of your life, what part of your souls need to believe this message? Believe it. Hold out your hands as a sign of openness and acceptance, an invitation, knowing that Jesus is right there in the midst. Do you believe it?
2: Don't be you satisfy You are the path You lead me on You share the perfect rod and staff My comfort carrying me home Restore my soul Restore my soul In the presence of my enemies, fill up my cup, goodness and mercy. You're at the start, you're at my side, you're at the end of all, and only you are satisfied, you are the prize. Comfort carrying me home, restore my soul Restore my soul Restore my soul
1: time with a prayer. And we're going to pray through a responsive prayer. So wherever you are at, whoever you are with, pray after me by repeating what I pray now. Beautiful Jesus, in the midst of the chaos, May I focus to see you. May I slow down to hear you. So I may have the joy and peace that only you can give. Lead me, Jesus and restore my soul. Amen.
3: For leading us in that reflection on our Lord's hope that he gives us through his restoration. It is so amazing that we can live into that hope of Jesus that he offers each and every one of us full restoration, and he offers it to us freely. Isn't that an amazing truth? Amen. Well, Church, it is great to be with you this morning. My name is Aaron Foster, and I have the pleasure of serving here with our students at Christchurch. And I want to extend a very warm welcome to all of you, but especially those who are in here for the very first time. If you are joining us at Christchurch Online for the first time today, we would love to connect with you. So feel free to click on the button on the top right of your screen if you're on our webpage that says New Here, or throw a hello in the chat. Or if you're on Facebook, click the link that our chat hosts We'll be putting in there, and we would love to connect with you, hear about who you are, um, and bring you into the family that is Christ Church. Well, friends, I have a few fun announcements. This first one is really exciting for me, is that we are going to be continuing our Worship Wednesday series and experiences all the way through the month of August. And if you have been to one of these before over the last few weeks, you know that this is something that you do not want to miss. Every Wednesday, we come together um, in our church parking lots here at Oak Brook and also at our Butterfield campus to be together in person and worship. That corporate worship and, and time and devotion is, has been just so fruitful for my life over the past few weeks Um, and I know it it has been for our congregation as well, and we would love for you to join us. This week is gonna be no different than the last. We're gonna begin at 6.45 and finish up around 7.15 with worship and devotion all drawing us nearer to the heart of Christ during that time together. So we'd love to see you this Wednesday at either campus or online on our Facebook Live channel where you can stream that experience right into your home from the comforts of your couch if that is easier for you on Wednesday, but we hope to see you there. As many of us know, we were unable to gather this spring for our annual Pops concert, but our team has been working really hard to bring the amazing music right into your home, and so we are excited to have this year's Summer Sounds Pop Concert with Broadway show tunes and jazz standards. We are going to be showing that today at 3 p.m., and we apologize for some of the technical difficulties that we experienced with last night's airing, but we are so excited to give that to you via re-air this afternoon at 3 p.m. online. Uh, this this Pops concert features Christchurch, some of the most talented musicians and singers from Christchurch, and the Broadway selections include uh, songs from Hamilton, from South Pacific, The Sound of Music, Carousel, Ragtime, Hairspray, and more. You gotta, you gotta go to this. It's gonna be great. So 3 p.m. online and on our Facebook channels, you'll be able to engage with that, but we hope that you can enjoy that um, and, and experience the goodness of God through the talents of these amazing musicians. Well, friends, as our team prepares to open, or I should say to reopen, our Oak Brook and Butterfield buildings for in-person worship on Sunday, September 13th, we would love to get our congregation's uh, information what what are you feeling about um, the the scope of everything as we 're planning to move back into in person worship and so we would love to hear what your thoughts are and our team has put together a survey for you to uh, share with us your your feelings, your um, emotions, your opinions on what's going on so that we can more appropriately and safely move back into in-person worship. So please text survey to the number that you're seeing on your screen in order to give us your feedback and help us um, as we continue the decision-making process in the, in the months to come. Well, friends, as we transition to a time of generosity and giving, um, I would love to share some of my reflections recently on the Lord's generosity and the gratitude that I have when I truly sit with that. The truth is that when I am sitting with the amazing blessings that God has poured out on my life, um, even in the good times and in the bad, I am struck with this, this stirring in my heart to go and give and to be generous to those around me as well. When I'm reflecting on the love that he pours out on me, my natural inclination, the spirit stirs in me to go and offer love to others. And so in just a moment as we we watch this video that we'll have on the screens for you, we would love for you to reflect on that in your own life. How are God's blessings stirring in your heart to go and give and be generous to those around you? I'm gonna turn your attention to the video as we enter this time of generosity and giving.
4: Give thanks for the good days When the traffic lights all turn green When promotions come and bad habits are broken Give thanks for warm meals and the company of friends Give thanks for undeniable blessings and clear direction When the music floods your soul and the worship songs flow without effort Give thanks for coffee and clothing And hope that the two never mix Give thanks for the mother who battles daily in prayer. For the father working three jobs. For the brothers and sisters who build blanket forts and read bedtime stories. Give thanks for sons and daughters and all our family who remind us of what truly matters. Give thanks for the stranger who holds the door open and the lifelong friend who holds you when life is broken. Give thanks for the hard days. For the phone call that brings life crashing down. For jobs lost and friendships fallen into conflict. Give thanks for the anger that reminds us we are human. And the tears that express more than words could ever fathom. Give thanks, though the pain is overwhelming. Your energy spent, your spirit fallen, and your only option is to fall to your knees before your Holy Father and cry out, God, please help me. For in that moment, his power is made perfect. His love is made evident. He becomes your strength your comfort, and your salvation. Give thanks for the power of redemption, from Genesis to Revelation, for the endless promises of a God who would rather sacrifice his son than give up on his children. For nail-pierced hands, for brilliant dawns, for the cool touch of rain and the simplicity of a quiet day. For all things great and small, let us give thanks.
0: What a great video and reminder, give thanks. We need to live those words out every single day, and actually that video is going to lead us into some of the things we're going to talk about today as we close out. Our sermon series, Life Together, and our journey with the Philippian Church. I hope you've been connecting over these last few weeks. If we've gone through this journey, if we've learned about the joys and the struggles with the Philippian Church as we've learned about their life of faith, if we've encountered Paul's challenging words and encouragement for them to be a church of impact in their day, in their place, in their time. And I hope you've connected the dots to see. Just the commonality we share with them in our day and in our time. I love the book of Philippians because, one, it's short. It's only four chapters long. And I hope you have sat down and at least read it through once. There's just something good when we look at a bigger piece of scripture or even read a whole book of scripture in one sitting. You get a different sense of the narrative and you connect dots in different ways. And so if you've done that, Would you read it again this week? And if not, commit yourself to just read. It'll take 15 minutes to read those four chapters. Maybe even read it every day this next week and just see what God reveals in you. One of the things I love also about this book is that it does have these two prongs. It both encourages us as followers of Jesus, but it also challenges us to deepen our life and faith, both individually, but what it means to be the church together. And, and all along these weeks, over chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Philippians, we have encountered some of the great passages and verses of Scripture. Verses that are worthy to commit to memory. And I would like to walk you through some of those. Because we need to have them in our mind. If we're truly going to understand how Paul ends this letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, which will be our context today, but we need the first two-thirds, three-quarters of this letter to really get our heads around where we need to go. And so if I may, let me just read some of these verses to you. In chapter 1, Paul says this, That he who began a good work in you will carry it out until completion, until the day of Christ, that he, God, who began a good work in you, he is going to finish it. Do you find hope and encouragement in that? It, it's not, it's God's work in us. It's not dependent on us. God is going to finish the work that he's doing in your life. There's great reason for thankfulness just right there. Paul prays this to the church in Philippi. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you will be able to discern what is best. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a great prayer. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says to know Christ, to live in Christ, it's worth every effort. In fact, when we give everything for that, we actually find everything. Everything. In return. Paul says, whatever happens, whether it be in your life or in your families or at work or culture, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. I love that standing firm in oneness. We're going to come back to that theme striving together this unity, this unity that's only possible because Christ links us together. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. In chapter 2, Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort, if any love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, Having the same love, being one in spirit of, and of mind. It's almost like Paul is saying, even if you just got a pinky's worth of faith, of Jesus. And actually, we know that we have more than a pinky's worth. We know Jesus fills us entirely. But Paul saying, even if there's just a shred of it, be like-minded. Having the same love, being one spirit. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking out to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want you to remember that phrase as well. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus because it is a foundation of everything that Paul is writing. Paul goes on to say, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purposes. It's all God's work. As we said, as Paul said earlier, he's going to complete it in you. But God invites us into the process, he allows us to partner with him and to set the pace even of what he's going to do. Because, see, we're vessels. And as our life transforms, as we take on the very life and mindset of Christ, God is able to fulfill his will for this world that he loves. It's through us. And God's working to make it happen if we open ourselves to him. Paul says, do everything, not some things, do everything without grumbling or arguing with one another For so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. I don't know what was so warped and crooked back in the first century when this was being written, but we have not solved what it means to have a warped and crooked generation. We still have a long ways to go. But Paul says, do everything without grumbling or complaining, because then we will be blameless, then we will be pure. Because you see, if you are keying in on the negative, the grumbling, the arguing. When we are living in the land of the negative, it shapes us and it leads us into sinful thoughts and words and even behaviors. In chapter three, Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejo- rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write to you the same things again. It's a safeguard for you. Sometimes we read over verses like that, but it's one of my favorite verses. Paul says, It's no trouble for me to write to you again. And again and again, we need reminded of the core things, the good things, the foundations. It's like a musician that constantly practices their scales, or as I learned as a, as a baseball player, whether t-ball, little league, high school, college, or professional, you never get away from those foundations. Learning, coming back to the technique, positioning yourself in the right way so that you can be At your best, Paul says we have to remind each other of the things that he's writing, of the way of life of Jesus over and over and over again. It's why we gather each week. It's why we connect in groups. It's why what it means to be the church. We don't forsake meeting together. We come back over and over so that we can remind each other of the good things, the good life in Christ. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection And when Paul's saying that, he doesn't want to just know it here in his head. Paul wants to know it here in his heart, in his spirit. It's a relational knowledge. Paul wants to know to be in relationship with the living Christ and to see the power that raised Christ from the dead, that the power of that resurrection would actually work in and through him for the glory of God. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm in process, you're in process, we're all in process, God is working in us. But Paul says, I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, resolve. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward a goal to win the prize, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that forward-leaning, that forward-moving kind of faith. You see, we can't rewrite the past, but God wants to use us to create a future. And so we press on, we lean in to our very relationship, our rootedness in Christ, so that God can produce that good work and we can attain that prize that God has for us. The last thing Paul writes in chapter 3, he says, but our citizenship, he's speaking to the church, our citizenship is in heaven. Literally, our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. We have become a different people. We are like foreigners now in the land because, see, we have a king and we're living into his will, into his rule. We, our citizenship, our very identity is in God. More so, first and foremost, than any other politic or ideology we have in our life, first and foremost, we are people of the kingdom of God. Why do I share all of these verses with you? It's for one reason. When we get to chapter four, the very first word in the very first verse, Paul says, therefore. Therefore. Now, when I was a little boy in Sunday school, I had some wonderful Sunday school teachers, men and women that invested, and one of the things they taught me, they said, Eric, when you're reading your Bible, when you read the word therefore, you have to stop and you have to ask a question. Do you remember what the question is? Some of you may have heard this. They said, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is the therefore therefore? You see, it's a connecting word. Where Paul goes in chapter 4, Everything he says hinges on all of those verses I just read. See, we have to keep in mind chapters 1, 2, and 3, and they wouldn't have had the chapters written out in the original letter that Paul wrote. It just would have been a letter that flowed. But it gets to this point Paul's saying, you have to remember all that I've written for what I'm about to share with you. And this is what Paul says. He goes, therefore, remembering all of this, stand firm in the Lord in this way stand firm. It's like an athlete that's like dug in, like that football player that's getting ready to make a tackle or a baseball player ready to to pursue a baseball. Like you can't be moved. It's a strong position. You cannot be swayed. You You will not be knocked over. You're dug in and you're ready. That's what it means to stand firm and we stand firm in the Lord. In Christ Jesus, our firm foundation, and we stand firm in this way. It's all the things that Paul had just been sharing with the Philippian church, and it all can be summarized like this in the life of Jesus. In the way Jesus saw things, in the way Jesus acted, in the mindset of Jesus, we are to live in this way as the church. You know, to follow Christ, to be a Christian, is to devote yourself to living The life of Jesus, that's the very definition of Christian or being a follower or a disciple of Jesus is to live the way your master lived. You know, and we pray that God's will would be done in our life. We pray that it would be done in the relationships. Wherever God sends us, it's in the Lord's Prayer that we pray. But, you know, but as, as I was thinking, I wonder, are we really clear enough or have we truly devoted ourselves to the depth that we need to? to really take on the life and mindset of Christ. Sometimes we do, sometimes maybe we wander or fall short, but this is why Paul says it's no trouble for me to write to you again and again. This is a time to come back to that center, to that foundation. In the closing chapter, Paul addresses four things, and Paul moves to the practical of some things that are actually happening in the life of this church that need to be addressed. This is where the encouragement and the challenge once again comes in, and each of these could be their own sermon, but I just want to touch on them just so you have context. My heart is whenever you read the Scriptures, when you come back to chapter 4 or anywhere in Philippians, you're going to say, I know what's going on there. But even though I'm just going to touch these briefly, I'm going to leave you with a question, and here's what I want you to do. Will you just take a note of each question that I ask, and today or this week, will you return to those questions and answer them honestly, truthfully, authentically, because you're gonna find some opportunities where you're gonna feel just encouraged and God's smiling over you, and you're gonna feel some opportunities to grow and to lean in, to press on in your faith in greater ways. The first thing, right after Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way, Paul says, I plead that you would resolve a conflict in the church that you would reconcile relationships. And Paul says the only way to do that is if you have the same mind of Christ. That's the only way. We do not know what the conflict was in detail. We know there were two women kind of at odds with each other. But if Paul's writing to say, to plea that they would reconcile and restore this relationship, then it was spreading into the church. It was probably causing some rifts, maybe even division or factions. There was probably some grumbling and arguing. This is why Paul's writing these things. But Paul says, that's not the way of the church. You see, when a church is divided, when a church is behaving badly, it's one of the things that actually grieves the Holy Spirit. And we only know of a couple things that the scriptures say grieve the Holy Spirit, but that's one of them. When a church has lost its unity and oneness. But because of what the church is, because of who the church is, because of whose the church is, we are to adapt and adopt the very mindset of Christ because that becomes the X factor for us to live a very different narrative in a world that's filled with, uh, with arguing and dissension. Here's the question, your first question. Do you need to apply the mindset of Christ in any relationship or conflict Right now. Do you need to move toward someone else with the very love of Christ? As Philippians 2, Paul says, therefore, he says, you need to humble yourself. You need to lift up, to think of others, to value others above yourself. That's the mindset of Christ. Next, Paul goes on to talk about worry and anxiety in the life of this church. And, and being a church in the first century was not an easy task. There were a lot of challenges. They were going very much against the grain. And there was economic challenges. People were losing their jobs. There was persecution. It was not easy. And so Paul addresses worry and anxiety and stress. But before he does, he says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, remember that video, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are probably three sermons just in those couple verses, but let me just hit a couple key points for you. First, Paul is in prison. He doesn't know if tomorrow he may be executed or set free. And Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says it again with an exclamation point. Whenever you see that in Scripture, it means you better pay attention and listen to what's being said. Paul says, rejoice always. It doesn't matter of your circumstances. And even when you feel the circumstances of life pressing in, there's opportunity, there's always something to be thankful for, something, some way that you can rejoice. Because again, Our mindset, the very core of who we are, (laughs) is running under a different operating system than the world around us. Second, Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, we can kind of read past that, but our English language doesn't always translate this, but that word has roots in things like mercy and compassion. It's not a passive word, be gentle. Paul is saying, move with compassion and mercy in your relationships. And so I ask again, here's your second question in light of all that's going on in our world right now. How are you being challenged to, re- to rejoice even in hard circumstances? And how are you exercising gentleness, compassion, and mercy in your relationships with others? The third thing Paul does is address the rare, very real anxiety, the stress, the worry, depression that's, that is bubbling up within this church. And Paul says, Where you, when you get to those points, there's one thing you can do. Pray. My Sunday school teacher would be proud. Again, I still remember that right answer. Jesus and pray and God. Like those three always get you the right answer somewhere in Sunday school class. But God says pray. Go to God. Move towards him. Be honest. Bear your soul. Seek him out. Because when you do that, the peace of God comes into your life. And Paul says you won't even understand it. You can't comprehend it. And the reason why is this, because it's the very presence of God. The presence of God brings peace to your life. And when we seek him, God's presence is realized in all of its fullness in our life. No circumstance can take the peace of God away. Your third question, are you seeking God in this season of underlying or maybe even obvious stress and anxiety in your life? Like that prodigal father with arms wide open running to his son who returns, God is just waiting and waiting for you to seek him to come to him because he's got something for you, his very life and presence and peace he wants to give you. Next, we get to some of the verses that I have probably read as much or more than any other verse in all of Scripture. Something I've prayed for, something I've tried to take on in my life. It's just part of my own journey, which I haven't always gotten right. But listen, Paul says, finally, and he's moving towards the end of his letter. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, get this, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, Paul says, put into practice. And again, the peace of God will be with you. Think about, see with the eyes of Jesus. Think about the way that Jesus thought about the world and approached this world and then put it into practice. When we do that, we are actually walking with God. People say, How's your Christian walk? This is what they're talking about, that you're seeing, thinking, and acting in the very way of Jesus. And when we do that, we experience God's presence in a powerful, powerful way. But I like that word, whatever. Because, see, I can be a little bit of a pessimist. Some may say I call it a realist. But it's easy for me not to see always what is good or pure or whatever. This is why I've prayed this passage so many times. But, but Paul says, whatever. And I ask myself, what would it look like to live a whatever kind of life? Not a like whatever, but whatever. Seeing differently, thinking differently, acting differently. See, all these virtues that Paul is talking about, they were popular in Greek culture, but Paul is saying, now we see them through the eyes of Christ in this world that he loves. Here's my next question for you. Is it challenging to think of living a whatever kind of life, a life being lived from the mindset and spirit of Christ, in whatever situation, wherever you are, and with whomever you're with, there's opportunities. I promise you to see God's hand and movement and activity, whatever and wherever you are. The last thing Paul shares in this passage is uh, actually covers ten verses, um, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge to live a life of contentment that releases generosity. To live a life of contentment that releases generosity. One of the greatest challenges I face living in the western suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I don't know where you are right now. Many of you are in the, in the suburbs. But maybe no matter where we live in America or other parts of the world, one of the challenges is to live a content life. You see, we live in the land of muchness of more, of extra, of best, of excess. We live very material lives, and oftentimes it's these material things in our lives that can give us a sense of unrest, stress, anxiety. It can divert our attention from Christ and put it on things. And whenever that happens, we're bound to live a life of something frustrated in our soul. We're skewed in what we say we need I need another pair of shoes. I need another, I don't know, I need another fly rod. Actually, that may be true. I always need another fly rod. Um, I want to be a fisher of men, you know. But, you know, we, we're skewed into things that we need. And, but what, what I love is that Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content, whether with a little or a lot. But did you catch that? Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. You see, it's something that we learn And again, I think it comes back, the only way you can learn contentment, gratitude, define joy, whether it's little or a lot, is if you have something deeper that you've aligned your life to. You have to stand firm on a different foundation that actually gives you a different perspective of life. The simple question is, are you content? Or have the stresses and anxieties of your life, are they attached? The things that may be causing you uneasiness. Those whose lives are rooted in Christ, who resist the dominant culture, who find joy and contentment no matter the circumstances, here's what I see all the time. They actually find more capacity for generosity. They find a greater desire to invest into the very things of God, of what he's doing in this world. I believe generosity is a byproduct of discipleship, of a deepening life with Christ, like like a tree that bears fruit, right? Even much fruit. It's, it's 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 the product of a good and healthy tree. Fruit emerges. I believe generosity works the exact same way. The deeper we go with Christ, the more we see things the way he does, the more we have the same mindset and act and live the way of Jesus, generosity wells up. It becomes a desire. It's, it becomes a privilege. We see other churches in the Bible that are saying, you will not deny us the privilege of being generous for the sake of the gospel. It just comes out of us like good fruit. And so, the last question I leave you with is this. Is the generosity of your life, the real, actual, time, talents, and resources, finances, that you are investing, are, 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 you, are they indicating a deepening life of Jesus? Or is the fruit being a little strained? Are you living life with a clenched fist? It's a question to wrestle with, to find both hope but also challenge. I want to leave you with one final word as we close. Uh, I was reminded again of, a, of one verse from the Gospel of John. It comes from chapter 10, and Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full." <clears throat> other translations of Scripture would say to have life abundantly, to have life overflowing, to have life abounding, greater than good. Why Paul never quotes this verse in Philippians, I believe Paul knew the secret to the abundant life. In other places, Paul writes, that uh, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, literally to change the way we think. Part of this is repentance, is to say, leave the old behind and lean into the way that I want you to go. It's my mindset that will transform your life. The letter and the letter to the Philippians, Paul has been describing, in his own way, the secret of living an abundant life. The secret. Of being these amazing citizens of the kingdom of God, despite their circumstances. And Paul keeps coming back to this idea that we have to take on the same mindset of Christ. That has to be what's running at the very core of our lives. And the amazing thing about God is that He gives us a choice in this, He doesn't force it on anybody. It's like two sides of a coin, like in the coin toss of life every day you have the opportunity to call it in the air. And the question is, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose a life of abundance, a life whose roots are deepening in Christ, living into the hope and the encouragement and the direction that Paul has been sharing with the Philippian church in this whole letter? In this way, stand firm. Or will you allow thieves to come in and steal or frustrate or distract your soul from what is most important in life what god wants to do in and through you i'd like to leave you with a prayer you say i had the opportunity to open this series and we looked at chapter one in a prayer that paul prayed to the church and as we come to the close now at the end of this series i thought we would just go back to the beginning and so let me invite you would you just bow your head Close your eyes wherever you are and receive this prayer. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lord, may we stand firm in you and live in your way. In whatever situation and whatever relationship and wherever you send us, Lord, may we have the mindset of Christ all for your glory. All for your glory, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said amen. Friends, may this prayer only deepen in you as together we become a church of impact in our day. Tony? In
2: the morning you sing over me I receive your mercy Faithfulness is clear to me It's constant every day Every breath I breathe an invitation To believe you are creating Something good the season does not tell my story. I know you move mountains for me, you're just that good, so I thanks to God when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need so well. When I don't have enough Cause he's more than enough And he knows what I need Working in the waiting, though the future isn't clear to me, I trust You anyway. Every breath I breathe an invitation to believe You are creating something good, Lord. The season doesn't tell my story. I know you move mountains for me. You're just that good. So I'll do so. Thanks to God when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough. And he knows what I What I need. Why do I worry? Why do I worry? Why do I worry? God knows what I need. Why do I worry?
0: this way. Lord, may you give thanks. May you give thanks in any and all situation. Live that whatever kind of life. And friends, press on. Press on in your journey and allow God to complete that great work that he's doing in you. And may you experience his peace and presence in your life today, this week, and until we meet again. Go in peace.